Front office went into the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs as the easy favorites after winning the Supporters' Shield and setting the points record. But going in with a target like that on your back is never easy, and getting back to the final was quite a grind for the Reds. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is the Northern Pitch Podcast, and today on the show, Justin Morrow stops by to talk about the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs. Tagwa, you know, watching that back, it seemed like so much happened. I mean, they only played five games, but those were intense series, and you know, just just a lot of moments that things could have gone south for Toronto FC in a hurry, but they were able to to you know keep it measured and and get through it. Yeah, the the team just kind of showed their professionalism, but also showed a little bit of grit in a few of the series with a a little a few fights and all of that, but. Like you said, like like we've been saying all all season, the the goal it seemed was always um, the cup, and that's what kind of kept the guys driven um, throughout all of the nonsense that would 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 take place. Yeah, they played through injuries. They played through some you know pretty brutal refereeing calls that we'll talk about uh, with Morrow a little bit later. Um, they played through some some really difficult opponents, but yeah, after after all of it, they were able to get back to the MLS Cup for the second straight year. So, without further ado, let's talk to Justin Morrow about how that happened. Hello, this is Stephen Caldwell, and I'd like to tell you about my new podcast, Footy Talks with Stephen Caldwell which launches Monday with my player-to-player interview with Josie Altador. Subscribe now by searching Footy Talks with Stephen Caldwell wherever you get your podcasts. We're now joined by one of the longest-serving members of Toronto FC, yet another 2017 MLS Cup champion, Justin Morrow. Thanks for hopping on the Northern Pitch Podcast. Anytime, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for thank you for pulling up. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, we are in a quarantine right now. Um, yeah. Everyone's at home, so our first question is not football related. But like, what are you watching right now? What do you have any like net, Netflix um, crave recommendations that, that have been keeping you going? Yeah, so I got two little ones here, so I'm <laughs> I'm watching a lot of super simple songs during the day, keep my daughters entertained. A little Sophia the first. Since Disney Plus came out, that's been perfect for us quarantine in our household. And the thing, no, let's be honest, the thing that's keeping me going is Westworld on Sunday nights. It just ended last night. And the Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah, and that one's been good. I've been crushing the Barca one, too. I've been crushing the Barca one on Netflix. I just, start, so, I just started that Barca one. Are you Barca like, or Madrid guy? Thank, thank God those came out. Um, I if I had to choose between the two, I would choose Barca, but I'm a United fan, so we can end me, we know? can end this podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, John Malkovich narration on that uh, Barca show is pretty hilarious. Like <laughs> I watched it in Spanish because I was like, oh. I turned it on for like thirty seconds, and I was like, No, I'm not listening to this. <laughs> I right over to Spanish. <laughs> Yeah, he, My he said like pretty good, so I could understand it. But I put the subtitles on. I was like, I'd rather read them. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. This. He said like Johan Kreef or something. Like two seconds ah. in, I was like, Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> why did Why didn't anyone tell him? Um, no way they could let that happen. Yeah, yeah. But um, going back to the the 2017 season, um, you actually have one more trophy than most of your teammates. I know Josie and, and Bradley joined you late for that campaign, but. Uh, you were able to to win the gold cup that year as well. Um, what was that like? Kind of, you know, getting getting another trophy midway through that season. It's actually, it might be the highlight of my career because growing up playing for the youth national team was such a a big deal, and I never got to do it. 
and I played with a lot of players in Cleveland uh, that were on the youth national teams. And it was always like a dagger to me because I considered myself one of the, one of the best youth players in the country, but yet these coaches just never saw me that way. And so to reach the full national team and to, to win a trophy with a full national team, that was like the highlight of my career. And, um, to do it with two teammates and Michael and Josie, that was really special as well to see, to see how they interact with the national team guys and, and really to take a step back and see how big of a deal they are because I've been around those guys a while now and we've, we've formed friendships, but to just see how important they are to that program, what they mean to all the national team fans, that was really cool as well. That, that's, that, yeah, that's huge. It must have been like a huge kind of look at me moment. I did it, made it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was amazing for me. And um, that was right before the U.S. didn't qualify. So I feel like that was like the last, uh, one of the last good memories for the national team in a while. And now we're slowly building our way back up. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. And then moving into more of the MLS and the TFC, uh, let's talk about the, the hat trick that you had um, against the Red Bull that kind of clinched um, the supporter shield. Uh, you had some, you had some tappings, but you also, your second goal was, was a nice little <laughs> trick the keeper. There. So. Well, I said this before, but that team is so hard to play against. They're so competitive. And to score goals against them just feels fun because they get so upset. <laughs> and so I, 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 I think I've had assists against Red Bull before, but I hadn't scored. So that was a really, a really nice one to, to get those goals against Red Bull, and especially in such an important game. Like celebrating with all my teammates in that moment, it was, it was the best. Yeah, that was a huge year for you goals-wise. Uh, I think you had a career high of eight. What was it, you know, about the team and, and the way they played that allowed you to uh, have so much offensive success? Um, our formation was it was really well balanced in that we had three really strong defenders on the field all the time and Michael back there patrolling in front of them. Um, really good communication in, into the guys in front of them. And then the guys up top and in the midfield were all really on their game and really at a high level, a high talent level. And so when you have that balance within the team, um, you can really pull teams apart. Uh, we could hurt teams in a lot of different ways. And for me, I just felt like I didn't have to play outside of myself. I just had to be the best version of me. And whenever a player feels comfortable to do that, that's probably when they're going to play their best. And that's, that's what it was for me. Switching gears a little bit here, you've been with the club for a long time. Uh, I want to talk about kind of the change in, in reputation maybe um, from the club from when you first came and, you know, it was guys who were there for maybe a year or less. The guys were just Pretty rolling through at the start. Managers were rolling through. Um, whereas now where it seems like a place, you know, guys who really have a ton of options want to come and play at, um, it's, it's really come a long way. Yeah, it has. And that's due to a lot of different people. Um, when I first got traded there, I've said this before, I, I was scared. Um, I was coming from San Jose and it was just at a time when Toronto FC's history hadn't been that good. And as you mentioned, players were, were in and out all the time. Coaches were in and out year Ryan Nelson got got canned halfway through the season a little bit more than halfway through the season and so it didn't have that reputation but I could tell um, it was slowly turning that way and, and Tim Lywicki brought this really big club mentality to Toronto FC he had a big vision for the team um, he started off with the DPs and the thing that I give him credit for is is really sticking to his guns when it didn't work out in 2014 
Um, the whole Jermaine thing didn't go the way we expected it to, but he dipped back in the pool and, and went back with Seba and Josie. And between him and the commitment from our owners to, to be able to go get those guys, a lot of credit goes to them because a lot of teams might have just took it, taken a step back at that point and said, hey, we went for it. It didn't work. Let's pivot. You know, let's change directions here. But we were really committed uh, from the top down um, winning a championship and through many years of development and changing a lot of things, we were able to accomplish that. And then you, you talked about it earlier, how you enjoyed like just scoring goals and, and just how fun it is to score against the Red Bulls. You guys, the playoffs, you had a big win at Red Bull arena. Like what was that like? Um, That was, that was incredible. I think um, that was, that was the beginning of our playoff run. And those games are always so nerve wracking because after having a good season, it's even more difficult to top it off in the playoffs and really win that championship. You see it with a team like LAFC who has an incredible regular season, best team in the league, breaks all the records, wins supporter shield. And it's tough to, to climb that mountain again. And so when you start off in a place like Red Bull, there's nerves there, but um, the, the big team experience from our team, you know, guys like Seba, Michael, Josie and, and, and Victor really calmed us down and Victor scoring that goal early as he did. And, and so calmly that really put us on the right track. And, and from there, it was always a tight series. They're a good team. Um, but we won out in the end. Yeah. And then that second game at BMO field, I mean, that's probably one of the wildest games I think we've ever seen the playoffs. They they came there pretty intent to throw you guys off by whatever means necessary. And I guess it'd be remiss if, and mentioned the the tunnel incident, what do you remember about that? And I guess how that kind of changed the, the game. So I came in, um, kind of late into the tunnel incident. I was already, when, by the time I was walking up the tunnel, it was already going on. Like the <laughs> both teams were, it was madness. And I didn't know what was happening, but their coaches, their players, our coaches, our players, everybody was really tied with each other, yelling, screaming. There was grabbing. And so I didn't know how it started or anything. And then we walk into, it all clears away eventually. And we walk into the locker room and everyone's got a cool head and we're sitting down and, you know, we're talking about the things that we need to do to win the game. And an official comes in and and lets us know that both Josie and Sasha are going to miss the rest of the game. And from that point, it was kind of like, okay, we got to figure out what we're going to do here. And um, credit to our coaching staff, credit to the guys that were able to to change their mindset in that moment, change our tactics, and and hold on to the win. Yeah, that that second half um, was absolutely it. It got even crazier. The two disallowed yeah. goals. Um, even the ref um, and Vasquez had kind of going head to head. That was, but you guys ended up pulling it through, but that was. I mean, these, these nights at, at BMO and the playoffs, not just the playoffs, but the regular season as well. But that night in particular where it's, it's dark and rainy and the tension is so high and the stadium is packed. Like those are my favorite memories. And I just remember battling so hard for that game. And it was a very close game and, and Alex Bono makes a, a crucial save in the second half where if Bradley Wright Phillips scores that goal, then we might be out, you know? And so we were living on the edge there for a moment, but the guys really dug their heels in. And that's the, that's the mentality that you have to have, a winning team has to have, that you have to be able to win in a lot of different ways. And on that night, we showed that we could. 
because we had played really good football throughout that year. But once the playoffs come around, it's a different football. It's a different type of game. And so we showed that we can kind of morph in that moment and, and win the tough ones as well. Yeah, and then you go into the next game uh, against Columbus. Um, you know, Josie's obviously out because the red card. Seb is out as well. I think yellow card accumulation. So you're without two pretty key players, and, you know, you guys are still able to go down there and, and get a result. Um, what did that say, you know, about the depth of the team that uh, some, some of the other guys were able to, to step up in a big way and kind of, you know, that was a, that was a big theme throughout the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the, the depth of the team because it's not, that's one of the strongest teams I've ever been a part of. And because everyone fought that year in practice day in, day out, so that when they got their chance to step on the field, they really did make a difference. And there were so many guys that changed games in the middle of the season where the first team wasn't getting it done. And they came in and, and gave us that boost of energy. And at the end of the day, got us points, whether it was a tie or three points on the day. I just remember so many times that happening. And so in the playoffs, at some point, you're going you're gonna to rely on those guys as well. And, and in a game when Seba and, and Jose are out and we have to go on the road, uh, we put in a solid performance. They they hassed against the ropes a little bit in the second half of that game too. They hit the crossbar, and and Columbus were a really good team that year. And so for us to get a, a result there to bring it back home and and give us the advantage at home was really big. I remember, I remember after that game in in particular, um, some of the media not not me personally, but some of the other media <laughs> were. Uh, <laughs> We're, we're criticizing you guys for uh, for playing a little ugly. Um, Brilliant that save! Time. Brilliant <laughs> save! Um, playing, you know, you know, playing maybe not up to to the beautiful soccer that you guys had played all year, but um, I guess in terms of game management and kind of taking the game as it was, um, what was kind of crucial to that during the playoffs that you know you you guys kind of managed the the game as it went along, the games as they went along. Well, Red Bulls is a really distinct. Uh, opponent because of the way they play they're very aggressive they like to press the game is very fast and they play in transition a lot and so that type of game doesn't lend itself to the type of of football that we had played the majority of that season because if we're not at our best at any moment and they take advantage that's what they're looking for. And in the playoffs, the margin is so slim. You, you give up one goal here and that could be the whole series. Um, that's why these series like the Montreal series are so crazy because there's goal after goal after goal. Usually playoff series aren't like that. And so Red Bull was something that we had to manage. And then Columbus as well was a very good team, um, very tactical, just like we are. And whenever we played against them, it was very cagey. And I think that's what you saw in that series. Um, I just remember how much preparation we did on the chalkboard before that series, you know, and, and they have players that can really unbalance you because they have players that can do multiple things. Like in, in my position, I play against Harrison awful and he is such a, he's so good tactically and technically that he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So when you have, teams that have players that can do these things it's really a tactical battle and I think that showed up and then you you kind of commented on it um earlier but all throughout that playoff season playoff Bono just came up big and was was making making huge saves you want to just talk about the impact that he had um and having like a keeper back behind you that just was playing like crazy 
Yeah. That's part of winning championships. You need everyone on the field to step up and do their job, do their job extremely well. And I don't see a team winning a trophy without their goalkeeper making some important saves along the way. Um, you saw Q this past playoff run we had in 2019 make big saves at home against DC in Atlanta. And Bono had done that all year in 2017 and especially in the playoffs. I mentioned him that big save against Bradley Phillips at home in the second leg against Red Bull. Those, those are the things that get you to the final and, and make you feel confident. You mentioned the, I guess, the chaos of the Montreal series the year before, and there, there, it seemed like a, a bit of a different run in in twenty sixteen from twenty seventeen. What was maybe the the mentality shift in twenty seventeen in terms of, uh, you know, you guys going in? Uh, well, in twenty sixteen, the big thing was that we made it to the final and lost in, at home in front of our fans, and we were mm-hmm. just bloodthirsty for a championship after that, knowing that we had the talent to do it. And the only thing that was missing was the mentality to do it. And so from the moment we stepped back in Toronto in preseason, we were like, all right, let's get it. And we set our sights high. I remember our goal meeting talking about all the things that we wanted to accomplish that year. And every team that sits down in preseason sets the bar high and says, we want to win MLS Cup. But the difference is that we could do it. We knew we could do it. And the thing that was going to change for us that year was just the mentality that we were going to come in every day. People were going to work their butts off. We we're going to make each other better. We weren't going to let anything go unsaid. And we were going to leave it all out on the pitch. And if we did that, then we would be the best team that season. And that's what we did. That's a big flex right there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's, a- it's very hard. Like People had pressure on us because of the talent that we had, but no one had as much pressure on us as we put on ourselves. And the teams that do that really do come out on top. Yeah, Mitch and, Mitch and I have talked about it a lot um, throughout this whole series, kind of how in 2017, you guys were just like on a different level mentally. Um, I didn't experience because I don't interview, but Mitch was like, you guys would answer things and it would just be kind of like, we just, we're just trying to make the cup. We're just trying to make the cup. Um, yeah. So hearing you say that um, is just really cool to hear. But then let's let's go back to the the Columbus game where Josie just kind of put the team on his back um, and just scored that that <laughs> lovely goal. <laughs> like there's, it's, I I don't know how else to, to explain it, but yeah, yeah. No, Josie, he can do that in those moments, and and now we've seen him do time and time again. He's dangerous in so many different ways, and that's what I'm talking about. These players that can hurt you. On the dribble, he's a good passer. He brings other people into the game. He can make the final pass, too. You've seen him have a lot of assists over the years. He's just a competitor, and he's a guy that wants the ball in the big moment. And when he makes a play like that, we know we're going to win. You know, we just feel confident in that moment. What, looking back at, at the season as a whole, what will you remember most about the 2017 season? I think exactly what we talked about, just the mentality of that team. Um you talk about the difference between being a good team and a great team or being a good team and a great company. It's really, the line is very small, but that line, you have to continually push yourself over it every day. I think um, that team was very brave in that we went about things and we didn't hide from each other. Um, You know, there's, there's times where it got heated on the field in practice. There's times where it got heated in the locker room. Um, 
never over over the line you know nothing that went over the edge where it was it was harmful but those are those those things those interactions that happen off the field are, are what push you in games when your back is against the wall to be able to fight back and to win and we played great that year you know we played some amazing football but we also just got it done in moments and and i don't think people give us enough credit for that when they talk about and they compare about these teams in, in different eras and whatnot it was the fact that we could do it in a lot of different ways. We have just a, a couple more questions before we let you go. Every week on the show, we, we do a quiz uh, related to, to this week's topic. So uh, we have a, a question. And unrelated you. and unrelated. That's true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, have a, we have a question um, for you about the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs. This one's a, a bit of a difficult one. We've given some of the players some, some layups, but um, this one is, who led the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs in scoring? I'll give you a hint as a um, Western Conference player. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about from our team. Oh no, sorry. Uh, in general. Oh. Mitch was heartless with this one. I'm not. Mitch came up with this question. It wasn't me. Um, 2017. I mean, I just remember Seattle like cakewalking into the final. They were crushing teams, so it had to be someone from Seattle. Maybe Jordan? Uh, close, close. Clint Dempsey. Ah, that was my other against. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't bad, though. You were on the right yeah. track. Yeah. And then for, for my question, um, we like banter. I say this every week. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of banter. Um, you're known to usually have a fresh cut, nice, bra- uh, nice braid up. <laughs> so we wanted you to kind of rank um, your teammates and their – some of their haircuts. Um, so we have blonde Pozuelo up there. We have mm-hmm. Mavinga's ever changing. Uh, sometimes he's got a fade. <laughs> sometimes he's got a blonde haircut. Sometimes he has a blonde fade. Yeah. Um, Schaffelberg. And then I just threw this one in there. Just Michael Bradley. <laughs> so out of those four, haircut from, from, Wait, from Michael's best? gotta be at the Michael's gotta be at the bottom. He doesn't have hair. All right, so we got Michael <laughs> worst. <laughs> but to be fair to him, he's all he, like he's getting his beard trimmed up. He's keeping it proper. No, nah, you, you, the damage is done. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Do I know. That. I know he's gonna Michael do this too. Is I'm gonna be getting worst. a text as soon as this thing comes out. <laughs> um, all right, I'll put Michael at the bottom. I'll put um, Pozuelo after him. Explanation behind that one? Explanations? Well, okay, so Pause, Pause came in one day and he decided, have you seen the haircut he gets where he's just a line? Yeah, it's He weird. literally just cuts it's off very the weird. bottom. It's very <laughs> and weird, And we were all giving him so much for that, but then it stuck and he wore it for like half the season. So um, he's not the worst, but I'll put him up there. Um, Schaffelberg, Chris. I like I like Chris's hair. He's got yeah. he's always got a nice fade. He gets his hair cut every week. Schaffelberg, I can't even think of what his hair looks like to be honest. I feel like Paws almost had the quarantine cut before like yeah. <laughs> before the quarantine started. He did it before it was cool. Yeah. He did it before it was cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That that is all we have question wise. Thank you so much again for for pulling up, making the time. Um taken away from daddy duties yeah of course i gotta get back to changing diapers now it's it's a it's a nice break whenever i don't have to do that thanks guys anytime man 
Thanks again to Justin Morrow for joining the show. I, I feel kind of bad about, you know, giving him that quiz question. He almost had it too. He was piecing it together and I thought, I thought he might have it. And then he, he had, had almost 50, 50 and then went with uh, Jordan Morris instead of Clint Dempsey. But you went crazy there, bro. <laughs> you, you just, everybody else had easy, not easy questions, but TFC related. And then you were just like, all right, MLS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. The, uh, but he, he gave it a go. I think, yeah, I think I got, uh, I, I kind of got offended when Nick Hagelin was able to, <laughs> to knock his questions <laughs> so easily out of the park that I was like, all right, we're upping the difficulty. And I, I think we've stumped uh, two in a row here. So um, maybe we can continue that streak next week on the show. But uh, let's, let's get into the, the quiz questions for this week, um, which are how many goals did Toronto FC allow during the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs? Who did Seattle beat in the 2017 Western Conference Finals? Which season did Justin Morrow win his first Supporters' Shield? That was with the San Jose Earthquakes as a hint. And how many goals did Justin Morrow score in 2017? And you'll be able to answer all of those quiz questions um, as normal at Darby Mag on our Instagram uh, stories. So just be sure to follow Darby Mag on Instagram and Philly Talks Live um, for all your Northern Pitch content. And next week on the show, it's the season finale. It's a, it's a big one. We won't say who was on it. Yeah, big guess, but uh, you'll find out how Toronto FC lifted the cup in 2017.